0: as we read the Prayer for illumination together. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that, hearing, we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from John 4, 1-30. This is what the Holy Scripture says. And those who worship him must must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us these things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. Here ends the reading of the word of God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen.
1: Well, good morning. Welcome to King's Church. My name is Jason. I'm pastor here. We're glad you're with us. If you were with us last week, uh, we were in John 3. We listened in on the story of Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. This week, we're looking at a conversation between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. Now, I believe John, the writer of these two stories, wants us to compare and contrast these two interactions. So I'm going to spend a few moments doing that. Take, for example, we notice that with Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus was a man. Here in our story this morning, this Samaritan woman, obviously, is a woman. Now, women were not viewed very highly in this society. In fact, Jesus talking to a woman in public would have been frowned upon. This is why his disciples, when they come back and see Jesus speaking with this woman, are surprised. The second thing we notice. In the comparing the two stories is that Nicodemus was a Jew. The Samaritan woman obviously was a Samaritan. Now, Jews and Samaritans, we're told, didn't interact with each other. They were not friendly. Jews believed that Samaritans were half breeds. They were people of a mixed race, ethnically and religiously. In verse three, we're told. That Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Now, I have a slide that shows you this area of the world. You'll notice Judea's in the south, Galilee's in the north, and on the slide, it shows you uh, the route that Jesus took was through Samaria. Now, that was unusual because most Jews would have gone east across the Jordan through Jericho up and around Samaria. Now, the reason that Jews and Samaritans did not get along goes all the way back to their history centuries before when Israel was two kingdoms. There were a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And in 722 BC, the Assyrian Empire came in and conquered the northern kingdom. And when that happened, the Assyrians exiled uh, many Jews, but brought in uh, other people groups so that the remaining Jews in these new people groups would actually begin to mix, to, to marry, their cultural, their cultures would merge together. And that's what happened with the Samaritans. The Samaritans, in fact, did not follow the same scriptures as the Jews. They did not recognize the Old Testament prophets or historical books like 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, wisdom literature like Proverbs and Psalms. They didn't recognize those because those books often emphasized David and Jerusalem and these themes that the Samaritans did not agree with. They focused on the Pentateuch. They only recognized Genesis through Deuteronomy, and their worship took place on Mount Gerizim. They built a temple there. They didn't recognize Jerusalem. Now, history tells us, in fact, that in 128 B.C., Jewish armies invaded Samaria and actually burned their temple there on Mount Gerizim. So this is why this woman, when talking with Jesus in verse 9, would ask him, How is it that you, a Jew, would ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? The third thing we notice about comparing the two stories is that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. This meant that Nicodemus was a respected leader in the community. But this Samaritan woman is an adulterer. She was a repeat offender. And this meant she was a social outcast. Jesus tells her in verse 18, you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not even your husband. We get a clue that this woman would have been an outcast from the story and the time of day that this conversation took place. If you remember with Nicodemus, that conversation took place at night. This conversation takes place at noon, in the middle of the day. Now, it was common for women in this day to go to the well to get water. But they would do that at sunrise and sunset. They never would do it in the middle of the day because it was so hot. But here is this woman going in the middle of the day by herself, likely because she was an outcast in her village, in her community. This woman was alone And she probably preferred it that way. She preferred the sun beating down on her, being exposed to that heat, rather than the gossip and harsh condemning words of the women in her village. Now, we've talked about several differences we see between the two stories, but I want to offer one thing that I think the two stories have in common. Nicodemus and and, and the Samaritan woman are both confused by Jesus' words. do you notice that? Jesus speaks of spiritual realities, and both Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman are lost in the physical realities of their experiences. Remember, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, Jesus told him, Nick, you've got to be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, how does he reply? He says, how could a man re-enter his mother's womb? In other words, how could I be born again? I, I can't go back. Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. And here in verse 10, Jesus tells a Samaritan woman, he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, And he would have given you living living water. And what is the woman's reply in verse 11? She says, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? She's confused. She doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. Jesus was speaking of a spiritual reality and she's lost in her physical reality and experiences. Now, the Samaritan woman begins to understand that something is is different here in the conversation when Jesus comments on her current marital status. She recognizes in that moment, wait a minute, I'm dealing with someone who seems to be a prophet. He has knowledge of me when he has no business knowing this. And it's at this point that Jesus begins to talk about worship. Now, the Samaritan woman asks him, how should people worship? The Samaritans believe true worship happens at their temple. The Jews believe true worship happens in Jerusalem at their temple. And she wants Jesus to settle the debate. And how does Jesus respond to her in verse 23 and 24? True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Effectively, Jesus is saying something here, that if you hear it, if you hear it, it will transform your life. Worship doesn't happen When you go to a particular location. Again, that's being focused on your physical reality and physical experiences. Worship, Jesus is saying here, happens here. It happens here. Jesus is saying that worship isn't a religious activity. Jesus is saying worship is a human activity. Worship isn't something that only happens when you go to a church or a synagogue or a temple. Jesus is telling us that worship is taking place right this minute at Memorial Hospital in the delivery rooms. Jesus is telling us worship took place last night in the bars and clubs throughout Los Angeles and Orange County. Jesus is telling us worship is taking place right now at the local 24-hour fitness. Worship is happening on surfboards littered throughout on, uh, close to the coast on the, the Pacific Ocean. Jesus is telling us that worship took place with 100,000 people in the Rose Bowl on January 1st during a football game between Georgia and Oklahoma. And Jesus is telling us that worship just might happen later today when you log on to the internet or sit down to turn on your TV. Now that might be an eye-opening statement to you or idea because you do not consider yourself a religious person. And you do not consider yourself as someone who worships. But Jesus is telling us that all of us worship and What we worship is that thing that we think will satisfy the deep spiritual thirst that each and every one of us have. And so what Jesus is challenging you with this morning is not whether or not you are religious and whether or not you worship. Jesus assumes that you already worship because you're already thirsting. For something to satisfy your soul. You can't help it. God created you that way. And the real question is who or what you worship. The real question is what source of water you're going to turn to. To satisfy the deep, deep longing you have within us. What do you thirst for? It's a very helpful metaphor that Jesus uses to try to connect with this Samaritan woman. Just as your body craves water, you need water to survive. Jesus is saying your soul craves something. It needs something. And for centuries, people have described this spiritual thirst as an emptiness within us. Blaise Pascal was a 17th century French philosopher. He described the emptiness within us as an infinite abyss. And he said this, the infinite abyss can only be filled by an infinite and immutable object. That is to say, only by God himself. And that is exactly the point Jesus is trying to make here in our story. In his conversation with the Samaritan woman, he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the reality is there is a spiritual thirst within each and every one in this room. And each of us turn to different sources to satisfy it. You and I, both of us. Nicodemus was a Pharisee who was thirsty And he tried to satisfy that thirst through his religious accomplishments, through his identity as a religious leader, as a faithful, moral, good person who followed the rules. That was Nicodemus's source for water. The Samaritan woman tried to satisfy her thirst in the arms of various men. Uh, The this woman had one bad relationship after the other. And Jesus was offering her a relationship that would satisfy her and, and provide the significance and, and security that her heart was longing for, because she had made a deal with these men that she had been in relationship with. She said, if I, get, I will give you my body if you will give me that significance and security that I long for, that deep thirst. And so the question is, for, you, for all of you this morning, for all of us is, what about you? Who or what do you worship? What do you thirst for? And how do you figure that out? One pastor put it this way, the way that we could figure out what it is we long for and thirst for. You simply follow the trail of your time your affection, your energy, your money, and your allegiance. And at the end of that trail, you will find a throne. And whoever or whatever is on that throne is what is of highest value to you. And so, let me ask you, can a husband and father who claims that he loves his family more than his career, and yet he works 12 hours a day, 6 days a week, and then plays with clients... Or co-workers on Sunday? If you were the man's spouse or the man's children, would his words of love and affirmation convince you that you truly were important to him? That you truly were a priority to him? No, his actions reveal his heart, not his words. That's how you tell what he's thirsting for. And so it is with you, and so it is with me. Follow the trail of our time and our energy our money, our allegiance, and you will find a throne. Who or what is sitting on your throne? Sure, not many of us go around saying, I worship my stuff or I worship my job, I worship this pleasure, I worship her, I worship him, I worship my body. We don't say that. But the reality is our actions speak louder than our words. I love how in the Old Testament, Jeremiah talks about this idea in chapter 3, verse 13. Here God is speaking to His people. He's speaking to us this morning. And He says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken Me, the spring of living water. Notice the allusions here, the connection to what Jesus is saying to the Samaritan woman. They've Abandoned and forsaken me, the spring of living water, have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. A cistern would have been a tank or an area in the ground that would store water in dry, arid climates. So what God is saying is here you have a choice. This spring of living water or this broken cistern that's going to be empty. You cannot fill it up because it's broken. What are you going to choose? And in our daily experience as Christians here, now let me speak to you, if you're a follower of Christ, you have the Spirit of God within you. That is the living water that Jesus is speaking of. The Spirit of God within you is that spring, that eternal spring that will never run dry. You have it within you. But the reality is, every day you have a choice Am I going to find my satisfaction? Am I going to meet that spiritual thirst through you, Spirit of God within me, in my relationship with you, Jesus? Or am I going to turn to something else, a broken cistern that's going to leave me wanting? Are you going to be satisfied? With the love and acceptance of God through the person of Jesus Christ, is that enough for you? Or are you going to look to these other things to find that significance and security that you long for? Now, I realize that through the years of being a Christian, this is the challenge each and every day that we face when we get up in the morning. You know, in my prayers to Jesus, when I'm dying of thirst, I I echo This Samaritan woman's words, Jesus, give me this water because I don't want to come back time and time again to this broken cistern. Jesus, draw my heart so that I will no longer turn to these things that I know will leave me empty. I really want you, Lord. And that's what Jesus is offering all of us this morning. He's offering this to you. And for me, you know, I, I've shared this before. One of the cisterns that the broken cisterns that I turn to is, is the fact that I'm such a people pleaser. And I find such, I think, satisfaction out of having people like me and be pleased with me. And, and that, you know, I, that leads me to be passive and apologetic too often. If you ever want, don't ever ask me to buy a car for you. Because I will be more concerned for the salesman to like me and pay more than I need to, to you know. Ask. There's plenty of other people to ask. Um, I, I'm. I just. It's a broken cistern that I that I go to. And, and I and I look to that to make me feel good about myself. I heard a story this week of this 12 year old boy that loves to make YouTube silly YouTube videos, and. He was moping around the house one day, and his mom went and asked him, You know, son, what's wrong? Why are you so depressed? He said, I haven't gotten any likes on my YouTube video. <laughs> that little 12-year-old boy is a worshiper. He has a spiritual thirst within him, and those likes, every like he gets, it's like a, drip of wa- it's a drop of water, right? It's a drop of water, and he's looking to that for his satisfaction. It's just going to leave him empty. So what about you? What is your sister? What is that thing you're turning towards? Jesus is offering life. Jesus is offering ever abundant water for you this morning. Yesterday we went to uh, our our presbytery meeting. We you know, we we gather with other churches in the area. <coughs> and uh, Matthew Trexler is a, a campus minister at UCLA. We we support him and other campus ministers in our area, USC, UCLA, Santa Barbara. Matthew told this great story about um, how at the beginning of the year, campus ministries and other organizations will, will put tables out for the students to come and meet the di- and get to know the different organizations. So uh, the U- RUF, the Reformed University Fellowship there at UCLA, Matt had a table out, and he had on the, on the table a sign that said, uh, believers and Skeptics Welcome. And he said this one young man came by who was the head of or involved with the uh, young atheist group on campus. And he saw that and was started to make fun of it and started to ridicule it. And uh, he actually came to one of the campus ministries to, to really kind of make fun of what these Christians were doing. Uh, A couple months went by, and Matthew said that young man came back, except his whole disposition was changed. And he told Matthew this. He said, I was in Las Vegas during the shootings. And he had friends who were killed. And he said, my eyes were opened. My eyes were opened to this deep, deep need that I have and I'm looking for something or someone to meet it. And that young man's life was changed because his eyes were opened to his need. And, and now he said to Matt, I want to follow Jesus. His life was transformed because he saw the spiritual realities that he, before he was blind to And so maybe that's true for you this morning. And maybe even this moment God is opening up your eyes. And Jesus is here. Jesus is offering living water for you. Let me close with this prayer from A.W. Tozer. And I want to give you a moment as the band comes up, (coughs) maybe to reflect on this prayer with me for, for maybe a minute. And this is what it says. O God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I'm ashamed of my lack of desire. O God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made thirsty still. Would you just reflect for, with me for a moment on these words and maybe perhaps make this prayer your prayer this morning.